Well, if you're anything like me, you've been disappointed by many a legislator with big promises. Every four years, people go to get elected and they say they're going to do all kinds of stuff. And when it comes time to do it, well, it's crickets. Today, we've got Representative Ernie Yarborough coming on, and I would argue that he's the exact opposite of that. He's the real deal. At least it seems that way. He's going to tell us his story, why he ran, and then talk about some incredible legislation that he's introduced. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome everyone to 1819 News, the podcast. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this year podcast. Got a really incredible podcast for you today. Um, one of the more exciting people, if not maybe the most exciting person in the legislature joining as a freshman. Um, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of great people who left the legislature in this last uh, election cycle, quadrennium. Um, but there's been a, a bunch of people to be excited about that are coming in, and we've been profiling them on 1819 News. Um, but I, I believe Ernie may be the most exciting. Um, he's got a, a certain fearlessness about him. And uh, really, uh, but also knows how to, um, I don't know what the word I would say, he gets along with people in a way that can actually get things done uh, while still being uncompromising. So really excited to, to see what he can do, um, but we will jump into that. And before we do, um, we always got to ask you guys, join the fight. You're missing out on the behind the scenes content. We'll have a killer behind the scenes sec uh, content segment coming today with Ernie uh, but we do with everybody on every podcast. Uh, we're also creating special content. We're working on one with uh, Richard Hirschman and Dr. Jordan Vaughn uh, on the blood clots and um, things about how basically how can people treat their vaccine injury uh, or long COVID and things like that. So we dive in with a really cool uh, video on that. We had Greg Phillips come in uh, and tell the story of going to prison for not getting up a source. Uh, just really incredible stuff you're not going to find anywhere else. But in order to see it, in order to view it, you got to join the fight. And in joining the fight, you're supporting us as we fight and pursue a free and flourishing Alabama. And so it's a win-win for you guys. If, if you've not done it, you're missing out. And that's all I have to say about that, as the great Alabamian Forrest Gump says. Uh, as I've always said, if, if uh, you're watching this on YouTube, don't. But I know you're not because I've been kicked off YouTube by the Gestapo. They've kicked me off. And so now you have to build habits and going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Rumble. Go there, whatever your next favorite platform, if you are a YouTube watcher, and subscribe on those platforms. Hit the bell so you make sure that you're getting these podcasts. We've actually um, gone way up. We're getting you know close to five, six, seven, eight hundred downloads just on Rumble alone uh, on these podcasts, which is which is fabulous. And so, um, yeah, you guys are doing that, but make sure you're uh, doing that so that you don't miss any content from us. So. Yeah, let's jump in. So today we're going to talk a little bit about Ernie's story, uh, why he ran, and I believe Ernie's story ties into why he ran, as I know him and I've heard the story. And then we're really going to hit hard the bills that he's introducing. You guys are going to stay tuned for that. They're really exciting. Uh, they're very conservative, principled bills, uh, and he's going to talk about those. And then for behind the scenes, we're going to jump into the nature of inflation. Is it economic or is it political? And Ernie will chime in on that. Um well, without further ado, let's get started. Ernie, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to 1819 News, the podcast. 
Thank you so much for having me. I am so honored and excited. I have looked forward to this for several days now. Yes. And uh, I just I just wanted to say thank you to all the work that you guys are doing. Um, just making a real attempt at honest journalism, um, you know, turning light switches on, asking questions, you know, following up with things and, and giving people with a conservative voice a way to get out and talk and, and have a conversation that doesn't just get canceled or shut down. You know, so I kudos to you guys. Thank you for what you do. I know it's not easy, but uh, you're, you're loved and appreciated for it. Well, I appreciate that. I'm blushing under my beard, Ernie. <laughs> it's a very it's a very it's a very masculine disguise so yes it is it's, it's, it's uh it's like it's like it's like it's man camo yeah it's it's uh <laughs> it's part of the 1819 branding at this point the guy with the big you know the that's guy with right the big red beard. yes well i'll jump in there i i got i had a beard then i uh i shaved most of it off and so my wife was like she said i want to see your skin so anyway so i'll have to grow go. mine back out but that's right uh yeah so a little, a little bit about my story and and move it into why i ran and so um, you know, was it the astute philosopher Bilbo Baggins, I think it was, that said that you have to be careful putting your foot out your door. Uh, it's a dangerous thing to leave one's doorstep because you never know where the journey will take you. Uh, uh, my journey begins. Uh, I'm a lifelong resident of Alabama, Lawrence County. My journey begins <clears throat> in a humble little town in Cleveland, Alabama. The locals call it Chalybeat. Uh, they had, a, they used to have a, like a little middle school there that was actually the yellow jacket. So they called it the rambling wreck of Cleveland tech. Uh, hmm. that's where my dad went to school. Uh, I grew up in the home that my dad grew up in on a farm. Um, but I grew up, I was born in 81. So I'm, I'm 41, uh, be 42 this year. And I grew up in a time in Alabama and really across the country when there was a lot of really, um, uh, just difficult battles around education and parents who wanted to have a different way, right? They wanted to, they wanted to homeschool their kids because they were concerned about the spiritual quality, the academic quality, the structural quality of the schools. And so uh, neither one of my parents, of course, were homeschooled. They were both graduates of public school and uh, they came under conviction that, that God wanted them to homeschool their kids. And so I was homeschooled my entire life. Uh, my mother did not ask my opinion on that. She just told me that this is what I was going to do. Uh, like I had a shirt last night that I was wearing. It said, I'm a, I'm a wooden spoon survivor. So I survived <laughs> the wooden spoon of my mother's thou shalt and thou shalt not. Right. And so growing up, it was, you know, back in the 80s, like if you homeschooled, like you were like Cyclops, eyeball, weirdo, you know whatever. And, and so it was very much even persecuted to the point where we had friends in Decatur, Alabama, uh, that were thrown in jail for three to four months for home educating their children. We were under the same threat. There was uh, people in the flux of trying to find a covering, didn't feel comfortable with some of the coverings that were available. They were trying to walk this path out with their family before God and their conscience. And, and they were thrown in jail for it. So we were involved in rallies and protests. And it was a very uh, my dad was on radio shows. This happened across the country where they would literally throw parents in jail for homeschooling, uh, even in places uh, that had worse laws than Alabama did. And so growing up as a child, you know, when you see your parents stand up for something, believe in something, um, it marks you. Like you see uh, your parents are willing to suffer for what they believe in. And, you know, daddy would, we would read the Bible as family devotions and uh, he would, you know, read Proverbs to us each day for day of the month, like Proverbs one for day one and two for day two. And he would teach us like, how do you analyze the world around you? How do you, 
how do you get beyond the surface level things that are happening and go to the root of why? Like what's the foundational reasons or principles that that we should know and love and believe to build a free why is America free? Why do we have these freedoms and these well, we go back and he had us read the of course the Bible, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, Federalist Papers, Anti Federalist Papers. I had to memorize the Patrick Henry speech, give me liberty, give me death kind of thing, you know. Mm. Got involved in got involved in Teen Pact, which is a great organization for uh, Christian young people, primarily of faith, but not exclusively, uh, where you go down to Mobile or Montgomery, you form like a mock session of legislative and senators and you know the, the body and you, you committees and you you know you kind of like mock the process, mimic the process, right? So between seeing my parents and so much of my friends take a stand for what they passionately believed in, and that and and quite honestly, that that the public schools did. In my dad's lifetime, right? In my dad's lifetime, they had to memorize Luke 2 for Christmas time plays. They brought in devotionals and pastors and, you know, they taught things about, you know, the origins of the universe and that math makes sense, not because it just is random, but because God's a God of order, right? All these things that really the public school eventually decided to leave people. Like we felt like that really we didn't leave the public schools. They kind of left us, mm, you know? That's really good. And so... So, so here we were doing this, right, and seeing this. And so as a young person, you know, dad put me to, I went to conferences about freedom and, you know, um, I, almost, I almost went to Patrick Henry College with Homeschool Legal Defense Association. My Ferris close folks in Virginia didn't work out. I wanted to go, but God had a different path for me. And, and so, uh, but just being nurtured on that idea of freedom and liberty and like think, go to the root, Right. We, we, you build the house based on the foundation and you, you got to get the foundations right, right? And so uh, I always had a passion for liberty, for freedom, uh, for th- thinking through to the root and building according to a good, a proper worldview. Uh, and it's important to set one and then build the other in a way that it matches your foundation. Um, and so uh, I'm married to a childhood sweetheart. We met when I was 10. She was nine. Her dad is now my pastor. So I really have to walk the straight and narrow, but uh, we have four children, uh, 14 down to three, and she was also homeschooled. We met, her dad was involved in history. We met at a history event in Decatur, and, um, and so you know, she, her family actually was heavily involved in Christian education. Uh, my mother-in-law actually taught Senator Arthur Orr when he was a kid. Oh, wow. uh, she was have yeah, she was heavily involved in like Christian schools. She's a certified tester, SATs, all that stuff. So heavily involved in the educational circle and, and striving for excellence. And so, you know, my background, therefore, is one that I love family. I love faith. I love values. I love freedom and taught to like, let's step back for a minute and let's analyze the situation. Right. Yeah. And let's really get to the root, root of why this is happening so we can fix the problem so that we don't have to continue in a wrong path and a hurtful path uh, in an immoral way or a destructive way. Let's, you know, like Ted Nugent, right? That great philosopher, Ted Nugent <laughs> said, you know, I would, I would rather the ax murderer be dead and the old woman be alive, but maybe it's just me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's kind of, that, that's kind of my, that's kind of my foundation, my history, Yeah. you know, and I, and, and, and that kind of sets me up for why I ran. Yeah. And I think it's important to say too, um, you know, in Alabama, you have to say the things you said in order to get elected, but the difference is who believes it and who doesn't, right? And there's always a separating yeah. of the wheat and the chaff. And in order to get elected, you have to say Jesus, you have to say God, you have to say guns, you have to say Constitution, you have to do those things. 
but I know from the time that I've spent with you and, you know, some of the mutual friends that we have, um, that you not only believe it, but, but you live it every single day. And so, uh, it's a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, it's not to insult anyone else in the legislature. It's just kind of the nature of Alabama politics is everyone pays lip service yeah. to these things that we know are necessary for good government. But when push comes to right. shove and, and, and the wind begins to yeah. blow, you know, where, where are people going to stand? And so, um, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch, you know, you're a freshman, you got a, a lot of learning ahead of you and everything else, but, um, you seem to yeah. have jumped right in. So, uh, it's pretty exciting. So yeah, talk about, um, why you ran. Sure. Absolutely. So that being my background, right. As, as you know, <laughs> the guy told him the joke was there, I was minding my own business. Right. Yeah. And, uh, here, here comes COVID. <laughs> Yeah. Minding my own business, right? Having my having a family and working and and uh here comes COVID. And so, you know, for me, uh the you know, when COVID first came, you know, we were, we did the mask and the gloves. Nobody knew what was up, right? We're like, is this like the black plague? What is this? Uh, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, we took local initiative to respond with uncertainty. So we defaulted wanting to love our neighbors as ourselves, right? To the most I don't know if you wouldn't want to say extreme, but the most cautionary that we could, right? Uh, our church, our church did go to remote for a little bit, and the, but we very within a month we were doing drive-in services. Yeah. We were all singing outside and preaching, you know. And then as time went on, within a few months, we very quickly self-corrected. Uh, and local authorities were great. Kudos to them; they were great. Oh, you got you, you guys, you know, you guys make the decisions. We support you. Nobody knows what kind of uncertainty what's going on. And then obviously as time progressed, <clears throat> I feel like COVID, the, the reality of what was happening dawned on people's understanding, right? And so we, we begin to see uh, masks, <laughs> figuratively speaking, yeah. masks come off, right? Whether it was what's going on in the educational arena, whether what's going on in the government arena and so forth, right? And so uh, as frustrations mounted because um, it felt like that, that people in government were taking every opportunity right, to not let a, a crisis go to waste, right? Yeah. And to, to centralize more power, take away our freedoms and our rights. When I knew from my upbringing, right, that the Constitution and the Declaration were written in a time of crisis, right? Not in a time of peace and crisis to preserve our freedoms and our liberties, right? Which means that there are some things that are so precious that a crisis means you reaffirm those things. You, 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 you reinforce the boundaries around those things because those are the path to liberty and freedom when times get tough. So I'm seeing all of this. And then kind of the nail on the coffin for me was uh, not to sound vindictive or, or, or ugly or at all. It's just the fact of the matter is, is that I became very unhappy with our previous state rep. Yeah. Uh, when comments when comments were made, you know, four years ago, the platform was like you said, Jesus, lower taxes. You know, he, this person ran on less taxes, uh, less government overreach. Well, right into session, this person starts, you know, voting for massive tax increases, starts vote pushing for statewide gun registry database stuff. Right. And it's like this is not this is not what we were promised. Right. This is not what was ran on. And then when comments are made, like with the whole vaccine mandates, right, get the jab or lose your job. Uh, and then local businesses reached out to them for help because they were getting pressure to shut down. And they were basically told, well, it stinks to be you. You know, 
that was that was kind of the, the the straw that broke the camel's back for us. Yeah. And so I got with my I sought the Lord. I got up with my wife. I'm like, hey, we're going to do this. We got to be all in together, hundred percent. You know, we got to do this as a family. Uh, uh, and we just got to the burdens. Like, well, if, if not us, then who? Right. Yeah. And so at that point was when I believe that we said, you know what, we're we're do, we're doing it. So we 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 put our name, our, we threw our hat in the ring, and um. And that God gave me, I believe, the slogan for our campaign, which is "Make Alabama Local Again." Mm, that's really and that's good. our and that's our that's our campaign slogan. I'm working on a book right now, actually, "Make America Local Again." Um, and, and and it's like as I sought the Lord and, and you know con- conversing with all these different people that have been instrumental in my life. Like it, one of the things that got very clear was, okay, as we move into discussion of the bills that I'm I'm proposing, right? You know, it's. For me, again, it's important that you lay the foundation. And once you have this foundational framework, you know how to operate. You know what kind of bills to move on. You look back at the last four years and see where people wanted to strip away our freedoms and our liberties and take these things from us. And, it, you know, you remember the, the, the movie Braveheart, one of my favorite movies of all time. I had to, I used some of those clips in my yeah. advertising uh, when I was running. And it, it's often felt like what he said in the movie, that – that leaders so often it seems like they think that people exist to give them position. Yeah. He said, but he said, but rather you, our position exists to give them freedom. Yeah. Right. And he, and, and he said, I mean to go and see that they have it. Amen. And that's my, that's my heart, my heart and my passion. And so, so the, the, the picture paradigm that I use for any bill, any legislation is this idea of a pyramid. Right. And so I was reading a really cool article one time by a historian. He said, you know, Pharaoh built pyramids in part to reinforce the structure of society in, in Egypt, right? He's at the top, right? And, 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 and he's God. And he and a small little elite ruling class dictate to everybody beneath them, right? And the way that they built that society was a wide base, which is like identity politics, a caste system, right? Yeah. Like, uh, well, it's for, this is good for the masses, right? Well, America comes along and America does something genius, right? America says, under God, we're going to take the pyramid and we're going to invert it, right? Yeah. And so we have this inverted pyramid where the under God, the, the, the foundation isn't this wide base of identity group politics, but it's a single brick, the single point of individual liberties and freedoms. Yeah. And so as we go up the pyramid, it gets wider and wider and wider, right? Which is what? Well, that means more and more people are getting involved in making decisions. It's representative government. Yeah. But all the time that that's happening, it rests on the individual point of individual freedoms and liberties. So that means you can never use collective force to destroy individual liberties and freedoms. Mm-hmm. And that therefore, that therefore, that crafts the solutions that you make. So when we come to education, when we come to uh, 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 life in the womb, when we come to medical freedom, when we come to uh, – you know, uh, local pharmacies getting hurt maybe by uh, uh, DIRs and PBMs and clawbacks or, 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 you know, how they work with big pharma and stuff. Whenever it comes to any of these solutions, we always, the first number one job, right, is to say, okay, what, what are the individual liberties and freedoms, our basic core free market capitalism principles that's the foundation of whatever solution we're going to craft? Yeah. And, and if we don't start there – then we're starting by default at a collectivist government centralized solution more than likely. 
Yeah. That's going to end up in ripping away our freedoms and our liberties. Mm. That's good. Um, well, guys, we're going to go to a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, Ernie's going to talk about some really, really incredible bills that he's going to be carrying. And I think he may even announce a new one. So you guys are going to want to stay tuned till after this quick commercial break from our sponsor. Hey, y'all. It's Allison Sinclair with Alabama Unfiltered. A lot of people ask me, what can I do to actually make a difference in D.C. and in my state government? And one of the most effective things you can do is write an old school letter to your elected officials. It seems super simple, but a written through the mail letter gets their attention much more than an email or a phone call. I use the Quick Letter app from my phone to write letters, and it makes it so easy to write all of my representatives in D.C. and in our state a real letter in a matter of minutes. And so Quick Letter automatically determines your representatives and their mailing addresses. You write or dictate a letter on your phone and tap the name of every representative you want to receive that letter. And Quick Letter handles the delivery address, the return address, the greeting, the closing, the signature, the printing, stuffing, stamping, and placing your letter in the U.S. mail. Your governor, attorney general, state legislators, your U.S. senators, and congressmen need to hear from you. And it doesn't have to be elaborate. Actually, a brief, simple letter usually has the most impact. Send a quick letter today and every day. Go to quickletter.com, that's K-W-I-K, quickletter.com, or download the Quick Letter app today. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, before we jump back into our interview with Representative Ernie Yarborough, um, I want to talk a little bit about our sponsor, Quick Letter. Uh, Jim Hicks has created an app that makes it extremely easy, super simple to get on and make your voice heard. Uh, you get on uh, first, download the app from your app store, Quick Letter app, put in your name and information, and then it will register all the in the system, all of your representatives, but you're not restricted to just your representatives. You can write anybody uh, in the state or federal government. And you write the, you uh, type it out or dictate it into your phone, press send. They take care of all of the packaging, the mailing, the sending, the, you know, all that stuff. And it lands on someone like Ernie's desk uh, and he reads it. And that's the beauty of it is they really do read them. Um, and they really do want to know what their constituency has to say, most of them. Um, and uh, I, I told a story. Someone listened to the podcast I did with Attorney General Steve Marshall, and they sent him a quick letter, used quick letters, sent him a letter about how much they appreciated the fights that Attorney General um, Marshall was, was waging uh, against federal overreach and all kinds of other craziness. And he got the letter, and he reached out to me and said, Brian, you're not going to believe this. But so that shows you they read the letters. They read the letters. So send the letters, make your voices heard, download the quick app, uh, quick letter app today. That's K W I K letter, quick letter app, download it today and uh, get to work making your voice heard. So Ernie, let's get back to, I feel like there needs to be uh, some kind of a drum roll. Uh, if you want to begin um, by talking about some, some new legislation that you may or probably are, or definitely are, I'll let you say uh, introducing. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll go ahead and announce the a, a bill that I'm about to, to drop that hasn't been mentioned yet, uh, and then two that have, get, have been on the news. So uh, as obviously, uh, for those of you watching, listening, if you've heard the previous part of this episode, you know that for me, uh, COVID, was, uh, COVID was a big wake-up call 
in terms of like we got to get to, we got to get the common man or woman involved in our government process and we got to do it now um and so um i i firmly believed in making alabama local again and i firmly believed in protecting our people and our workers and so in my district i had several people who were fired from their career removed penalized forced out of their jobs uh because they demanded shockingly that they should be sovereign over what goes into their body and so um the vaccine mandate i believe was evil and wrong uh and i, I appreciated what president trump said available for all mandated for none and so um i believe uh, the number one goal of a state representative is not to advance economics not to advance education those are great goals and i'm involved in those but the number one job is to protect and defend the liberties and freedoms of the people who chose me to go to montgomery amen and if i don't if i don't do that and i do everything else i failed yeah and there's important lessons we've got to learn from the past four years and we got to learn them now so the bill that i will be uh i will be sponsoring and dropping is what you knew before as HB 31. And so this is a medical freedom bill, right? So the bill is the idea behind the bill is that employers are not employers are not allowed to discriminate against their employees on the basis of vaccine status. Uh, and if they choose to trample on the freedoms and liberties of their of the people of Alabama, they will be held liable to potential civil suit. Mm. Um, and so the idea here is, you know, I love, I love to get to the root issues, right? Let's back up and say when, when you know, in the traditional workplace, does, he, does an employer have a legal a right to a legal demand on your time and talents? Or do they also own your body and your conscience, which probably ties into some ESG stuff too. Yeah. And, and, and we, we thought that this question was resolved during the days of slavery, that that nobody else owns my body, right? People don't get to own people, yeah. right? And, and if we don't have the sovereignty to choose without threat of coercion, economic destruction, and force what goes into our bodies that we, I mean, it, it feels a little bit like akin to medical, to medical rape, to be honest. Yeah. Because you're having things injected into your body at force against your will, or we're going to, you know, you wield it as an economic hammer to smash you. Yeah. Right. And so, so this bill will protect and preserve the freedoms of Alabamians by recognizing that even businesses, and I'm a free market guy, self-employed. I'm like, hey, lower the taxes, cut the red tape, you know, cut the anchor and, and sell the ship, right? But even businesses are bound down by the chains of the Constitution. Yeah. Right? There's, no, there, there's no entity in our state, be it an individual, be it a, a business, be it the government, that isn't constrained to, to operate in a way that honors the laws of our land. Yeah, no. And, um, I, and I completely agree with, 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 with what you're proposing and what you're saying. It was an interesting kind of fight. It, it seemed, and I think the way that you put it is actually much more helpful than the way that I was arguing it amongst my peers that are, you know, more kind of pure Mises Institute, libertarian business, you know, yeah. and again, if we lived in a Ludwig von Mises, perfect utopian, you know, libertarian economic society, 
you know, no, you wouldn't restrict businesses on whether they could or couldn't. And then the person would just, you know, sure. oh, you want me to get vaccinated? I'll go find another job. But it's not it's not that simple. It's not that easy. Um, and there there has to be restrictions. Um, and, you know, the state, uh, the government, the federal government, the state, whatever you want. I, I say the state, I mean, both federal and state. Yeah. They overreach so much, but there is a place for them. And this is, yeah. I think, a place where they do need to intervene and say, you can't do that. Right. And and the state is yeah. supposed to prevent evil or at least punish evil um, and, and reward good behavior. And this is a situation where, where I think the power of the sword would be benefiting people who are, you know, and you just think about like if they did it on, you know, something else, like if they were like, OK, uh, all the nurses that work at this hospital, if you're pregnant, you have to have an abortion. Like, well, wait a second. Yeah. And then they'd be like, well, you just go get another job somewhere else if you don't want to have an abortion. I mean, what's the big deal? You just go get a job somewhere else. And it's like, no, it's not that easy. Right. And so when you start yeah. thinking about it in those other terms, right. but I love what you said. I've always thought about it the same way, like forcing someone to stick something in them. They don't want stuck in them. That's medical rape. Flat yeah. out. Yeah. Well, remember the, remember the hymn, America the Beautiful? Yeah. America the Beautiful says, oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain. For purple mountain majesties above the fruited plain, America, America, God shed his grace on thee. In the second verse, what does it say? Oh, beautiful for pilgrim feet whose stern and passioned stress, a thoroughfare for freedom beat across the wilderness. America, America, God mend thy every flaw, confirm thy soul and self-control thy liberty in law. Mm. Right. By liberty and law. And so we in America have this wonderful experiment. Again, the idea that we structure society, as our money says, uh, in God we trust. And under that umbrella, this inverted pyramid that starts with well, what's the individual liberties and freedoms when we, when we want to address health. Right. When we want to address pandemics or, war or whatever. What is the we're talking about individual people and bodies. What's the fundamental liberties that we have? Right. That we start with. Well, we're guaranteed due process. We're guaranteed the pursuit of life, liberty and happiness. Article one, section 35 of the state constitution says that the sole and only legitimate end of government is to protect the citizen in their life, liberty and property. I believe it is. Yeah. And that when government assumes other functions, it is usurpation and oppression. Yeah. So, again, do do businesses own bodies? Do they own consciences or do they have a legal demand on the time and talent of the individuals employed to produce goods and services in connection to the mission of the company? Yeah. Good stuff. So we want to, we want, we want to protect the freedoms and liberties of Alabamians that when they go into the workplace, they're not being required to surrender their bodies and their consciences. They are voluntarily and passionately exchanging their time and their talents for the production of goods and services that makes Alabama a better place to live. Yeah, that's good. Well, um, I think that's incredible. Cut. What else are you working on in the legislature? What Absolutely. other bills do you got? I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked. Yes. So, uh, so one thing that I'm passionate about in terms of free market is, is school choice. And so you've probably seen some noise about the price bill parental rights and children's education. And so my desire there, uh, you know, I, I, I jump in volunteer teaching at a local public school, given a lot of money, time, stood outside in the rain, you know, when they're doing the, I ran the one mile clock for 
state meets and stuff. So, but, but the reality is, is that fundamentally we have to put parents' hands back on the financial steering wheel of education. Yeah. Right. And the reason why parents feel like many of them, I think, feel like that they're not their voice and their concerns are not wanted or heard really given due weight is because they've been made financially irrelevant in the flow of the money. Yeah. And so my first desire is let's reinsert parents really and truly into that flow of the money decisions for the schools. And that way they actually, the parents become the clients again. Yeah. Right. Let, let's make the parents the real clients here who can then help drive again. The, the goal here, right. Is that we, our children are not collateral damage. Right. So, well, how do you, how do you, how does the, how do you make sure that quality goes up and costs go down? Right. What did Margaret Thatcher do? You know, so many Republicans, you know, I'm a Ronald Reagan Republican. Great. You know, who was one of his political BFFs? Well, it was Margaret Thatcher. If you Google Margaret Thatcher privatization, you see she privatized a lot of things, right? Or she, she got the private industry or the, or the people involved in things so that they were their voice, their concerns, their morals and values, and the, even the common sense of efficiency, right? And good structure that makes things flow well got involved in these processes and it had a tremendous impact on England and Great Britain. So school choice really is a matter of asserting that parents have rights to, to, to put their hands on the steering wheel of the financial flow of the education for the purpose of making good choices for their children. Now, I would argue that that doesn't, that does not at all have to in any way essentially hurt public schools at all. It just means that now they have to really listen to clients who are parents. And if you engage with parents and you earn their trust, right? And you, you stay in tune with that market of the parents, you know, you're going to have a great clientele because they're going to believe and they're going to, they're going to know that you're doing what's right by their kids. But the reason why parents don't trust, you know, uh, and there's a lot, there's a lot of great local teachers, a lot of great local there. They want faith in schools. They want yeah. prayer. They want excellence. Absolutely. They want good structure, lots of good people. Right. But you got a couple of problems from all the top down pressure of the boards of educations or the NEAs or the departments of educations that are pushing down pressure. For example, uh, it was just on Fox news a few days ago, a father in Anchorage, Alaska came before a school board and he said, you know, you guys talk a lot about diversity, inclusion, equity, these lofty sounding words, but we as parents don't really ever get a, like, what do you mean by that? Like, give us, give us an example, yeah. right? Because we're not really right. We're not racist. Like, what do you mean? What are we doing that we should, what are we not doing that we're supposed to be, you know, doing with our kids or whatever? So they put a book in the library that was an example of this. So he goes and gets the book and reads it, comes before the school board and he has like his allotted three minutes or five minutes or whatever time that, you know, he, he had approved to speak. And he starts reading to them from this book that they heralded as an example of equity, inclusion, diversity, right? And this book teaches children about how to research pornography. It teaches children how to send naked pictures of themselves to their classmates or their friends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. It, was so it was so bad and embarrassing that the, he, was st he still had time left to speak, and he was speaking. They stopped him, voted five to two to shut him up and kill his time. And, and anybody that watches the news knows those stories could be replicated a, a thousand fold over the country, which think, to me gets back to 
Go ahead. Yeah, and I think that's the the biggest problem. And I'm I'm actually writing. We've got our quarterly magazine going out, and I'm writing a piece for that right now. You know, there's a lot of issues, but it's it seems almost like the response to the issues is where the distrust is coming from. So we'll take a for instance. So in Huntsville City Schools, kind of not necessarily where you live, but up Knopf, uh, up there, <laughs> Knopf, Alabama. Um, there was Nala. there was a, a a homosexual man that was a teacher in the Huntsville City School System. Yeah. Uh, he was dressing up as a as a. I'm I'm trying to keep all the adjectives out and be real objective here because I really want to lay into. But there was right. a, a a gay man that was a teacher in the Huntsville City Schools, and he was dressing in drag after hours, doing story time hour, dressed up in drag, and there was children in his presence when he did so. We wrote the story. We, you know, it, it made a bunch of waves. Yeah. The Huntsville City School at that point could have made the decision to say, you know what, someone who's engaged in that type of activity may not be the best fit uh, for children. Yeah. Um, and they didn't. They said, well, it's after hours. Uh, I'm sure he has really good boundaries and doesn't do anything like that in school hours. You know, that's just extracurricular activity. Okay, well, then we discovered on the podcast shortly after that, that he admitted to another person that he was talking to on a podcast. It was another homosexual talking about homosexuality and perversion on the podcast, how he sneaks in LGBTQ materials to the classroom so that, so that kids can find it and he can basically tell them about it, which is grooming. And so, you know, and, and now that guy's set to retire. I don't think he has, but the response is the problem. The problem is the problem. Ain't no doubt. That's a problem. But the response, um, then you get all of the the critical race theory, uh, the DEI, all, all the different um, divisive concepts is what it gets thrown around. But we'll call yep. them divisive concepts just to stick with that. They get thrown around. And rather than say like a Wayne Reynolds or one of these people in the um, higher up in education saying, you know what, parents, we're concerned too. And we know that your children are the most important thing to you and they're the most important thing to us. And we're going to do our best to make sure this stuff doesn't seep into our schools. That would be a proper response. Instead, they start telling parents that are concerned that they're psychopaths, that they're not so that's not happening. This is Alabama. That ain't happening here. You're crazy. Show us evidence. So Allison Sinclair at local Alabama Eagle Forum uh, and us started mounting evidence and showing it and writing articles about the evidence. And it's been crickets. No apology for calling us psychopaths, right? And then also nothing. So so there, the problem is this stuff's being taught. What's the response? Call the parents crazy. Well, that's not a very good response. Yeah. And then finally, Prattville, uh, kid masturbating in the middle of class in Prattville, okay? You with a, with the Google Chromebook just right there in the middle of class. I'll be as least descriptive as possible. Little girls watching this boy do that to himself in class. The administration, the, there, there, to me, there's 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 just one solution. Expel the kid, tell the parents. They didn't expel yeah. the kid. They didn't tell the parents. They swept it under the rug and they tried to hide it. Imagine if your yeah. daughter was in that class when that happened and you had to find out because someone other than the administration told you. So it's the problem is the problem. The problems are bad, but we can solve problems. But those responses are, are egregious. Anyway, I, that yeah. was my soapbox. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, and that and that fits into. So my wife is doing a like a, a really cool local torchbearers class here locally. You know, local companies, leadership principles, and so forth. And so they brought in some people to talk on education, and they they acknowledge this is a top down like NEA Department of Education kind of pressured thing. Where the example she gave was if Johnny is up on the teacher's desk, 
Like he's standing, playing on the teacher's desk, trampling her papers. You know, <laughs> you can't say, Johnny, young man, that's not acceptable. You come off that and we're not doing, we're not acting that way. Yeah. You know? No, you have, you have to give him, you have to offer him a replacement activity. Johnny, instead of trampling all my paperwork and my, my, my notes and my day planner and my lesson planner, you want to do Legos instead? Yeah. You know, and so my, and then they complained in this meeting about having, they couldn't, they're having a hard time using older teachers who are retired coming back because the old, old teachers want to smack them, smack them yeah, on the hiney. I got something for little or, Johnny. Or say, or, yeah, like my shirt, <laughs> like my, like, like my shirt I wore last night, it said wooden spoon survivor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and so then my wife raises her hand. She says, wait a minute. No, this is crazy. She said, you mean to tell me that we're, we're, we're taking the first 18 years of these children's lives. And we're getting all this top-down pressure to teach these kids that there are no boundaries, yep. no authority structure, no rules. And then when they graduate, we want them to act like there are boundaries and there are rules, and they better be responsible, mature, hardworking, you know, have emotional maturity, emotional boundaries, things yeah. we've not required of them. And so, I mean, it's just insane. You know, and so so – uh, the, the the idea behind putting parents' hands on the financial steering wheel is not at all to hurt public schools. Honestly, it's to save them. Yeah. Because if you don't have that kind of input and, and helpful control or helpful assistance from the people who are the frontline defenders of those children, which is their parents, and the government continues to be the client and not the parent, mm. well, this is this is the path of all government schools, right? Yeah. Here, out goes God, out goes prayer, out goes values, out goes morals. But then we want to complain because like a local fire chief interviews young people and they didn't know how many days were in a calendar year. High school, high school graduates, yeah, fresh, fresh seniors. Or we want to complain because there's a lack of workforce initiative or a lack of drive or character or passion or, or direction. You know, I'm going to cut grass and wash cars and get a job and all these things because we've also – tossed any idea of eternal truth or meaning out the window. So we're telling our kids on top of no authority structure, or that's the top down pressure anyway, to do that. Lots of good teachers resist that and go against that, praise God. But we also tell them there is no ultimate eternal truth. There's no ultimate eternal purpose or meaning. It's just your truth, his truth, her truth, my truth, that meaning there. So so don't be disillusioned, even though there is no ultimate purpose to anything. And when you graduate, we want you to be a person of passion and purpose. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Not prepared for anything, but yeah. boy, they know how to look yeah. at porn and send each other naked pictures. Well, and, and, engage and in... I'll tell you one last, it's crazy. I know. <laughs> one last anecdote. Talking to a person who was responsible for influencing legislators with money in regards to education. And this person said to me, I said, hey, here's my definition of education, right? Education is the turning over of the soil of the hearts and minds of children to plant three seeds, faith, character, and knowledge. That's what education is. And this person said to me, well, we can't do much on the first two, faith and character, but we're working on the third, knowledge. And I said, well, ma'am, I've taught in all three sectors of education, pre-K through fourth, private Christian, homeschool, and I taught and ran math at a community college. I said, what you're saying is education is simply knowledge is a, is a utilitarian tool to make money. And if you, if you raise children with that 
is the driving philosophy of education, you're going to raise monsters who will eat their neighbors alive. Mm. And she and this person said to my face, oh, I know that's why me and my, my spouse send our kids to a private Christian school. So you acknowledge it. You acknowledge that these decisions are being made that don't have the best interest of the child in mind. Yeah. There's something else that's, that's making the decisions. And you acknowledge that you're raising monsters who don't have to be. But there's a bunch of pe- there's a bunch of people making a bunch of money in the raising of those monsters. Right. That's right. And there's there's, so, there's, so there's, there's a constant steady flow of increased budgets, record budget after record budget after record budget after record budget in education. And, you know, we talked about this uh, before on a, on a phone call one time, you know, what, what's the check? How much do we write it for? What's their answer? More, right. you know, they well, don't have a number. No limit. What, right. What's it going to take for you right. to succeed? Give us a number uh, more, yeah. just more. And then, and, and then we're told that we're crazy yeah. or we're asinine because we want to see tax cuts given back. We want to see people of Alabama have more of their own money back. And we want parents hands on the steering wheel financially to help guide the ship of the souls and minds of their children. Yeah. So um, it's, it's a it's something that I'm very passionate about. I'm, I want to jump in and help the public schools. I want to serve. I want to see red tape cut across the board. I don't want teachers burdened down with low wages, burdened down with um, excessive paperwork and always teach to a test, issues. teach to a test, teach to a test, right? This is educate. No education. As GK Chesterton said, education is not the learning of facts. It's the passing down of a way of life. Mm. Now, that way of life includes knowing that in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Yeah, and two plus <laughs> right? two is four. Right, but it also involves, here's a wrench. Here's, a, here's how you sew. Yeah. Here's, how you respect, here's how you respect your mother and your father. Here's how you obey authority. Here's how you learn your liberties. Here's how you, here's how you set a table. Right? Yeah. Here's how you do life. Here's how you do life. And you know, Greco- education is, is walk with me, son or daughter, and yep. let's, let me show you life. Yeah. I always in the, it's the idea of uh, paideia and pedagogy in Greco-Roman society. How do we make the ideal Roman citizen? How do we make the ideal Greek citizen? And yeah. so they had a whole system that that you know that was that was what you were judged on as a human being is your ability to hand down you know what we would say is the faith to the next generation your or way of life. That's right. right. Um, and yeah, Amen. that's that's gone. Well, one more one, one more, more bill. bill that I will yeah, yeah, yeah. one more bill that I'll mention. So we have we have school choice, right? We have and the, and the idea behind school choice is it's an education savings account, right? It's not money dropped into just cash into the account where irresponsible people can use it on dope and Cheetos, right? It's controlled from the ESA to approved vendors of school yeah. book suppliers and tutors and schools and all that, right? It's it's a great system. I'm excited about it. Um, and then and there's more to it, but that's the 20,000 foot view. You know, then there is the medical freedom that we've announced today that will say, hey, you know what? Uh, businesses have a legal and just claim upon our time and talents, but not our bodies. They don't own our bodies. They don't own our consciences. If they if we got to put on steel toed boots and hard hats and jackets, we can take them off at the end of the day. Right. You can't take yeah. a vaccine off. Right. So I get to choose that. Right. But then the third one that we're working on has to do with uh, uh, abortion. And very simply, all the bill does, there's obvi- I already, you know, I haven't filed it yet, but there's already, you know, caricatures. And but people, when I explain like, oh, that's yeah, okay, that makes sense. Right. And that, now there obviously are going to be people who are going to want abortion under any circumstance and, and don't believe that life begins at conception. And it's OK. We're just going to fundamentally disagree. 
Yeah. Right. And that's, it is what it is. I can't help that. Um, but the, I, the bill is the Equal Protection Act, right? That says that life begins at fertilization and from fertilization to natural cause of death, every human life deserves equal protection. Every human life deserves equal protection under the law and deserves due process. Yeah. Right. That's the, that's the, that's the jig. That's the parameter of the bill. Now what the bill does in terms of abortion is it removes some existing language uh, in the laws that make exemptions for abortion as not being murder. And, but what it does in, in so doing, so yes, abortion would be murder. Right. But what it does, because you can't take people's lives without due process. Uh, but what it does is two things that are worth noting, not again, because I don't want caricatures is number one, it says everybody deserves equal protection under the law, right? It's a logical extension of the civil rights movement and of the discussion about civil rights in terms of medical freedom, yeah. right? Every every person's a person, no matter how small, they deserve equal civil rights, protection, all of that uh, 14th Amendment kind of thing, right? And due yeah. process. But so there's two things it talks about in the bill. It says basically the idea is that uh, the life of the mother exception in the sense that we don't want doctors to feel like they can't treat their patients and if a woman, a pregnant woman needs care, right, and this bill clarifies that when a doctor is treating a pregnant woman, that the doctor is caring for two patients and intentionally ending the life of the child is not appropriate medical care. But if a child dies or is injured unintentionally as a result of medical care provided to the mother, neither the doctor nor the mother would have committed a crime as long as every reasonable attempt to save the child was made that, that, they, that they can, right? Yeah. So. Example, example of that would be like ectopic pregnancy, right? Yeah. That would be one example, right? Um, so you have to make a reasonable effort to protect the life of the mother and the child, right? And so if, if medical care is given in this, you know, unusual but sad or, or undesirable situation that uh, it results in the loss of life, but it's not itself an abortion, right? It, the purpose is not to go in there and just kill the child. You're, the, you're trying to save life, right? Yeah. The idea here is that you create an environment where, you know, it's kind of like if you got two people on a cliff and you try to save and one, you lose one, you know, it's not because you you grabbed that person's hand and threw them down, yeah. <laughs> down yeah, off the sense. cliff, right? So that's the idea behind you're trying, you know, it's not, it doesn't make, it, it, it does say like, you can't say, okay, we're just going to take this person's life. This is, this is the solution, right? But in terms of ectopic pregnancy, you have to remove something, right? Maybe we don't have the technology to bring that baby to viability yet, you know, but the woman's, the woman's dying. So it gives, it gives room for the physician and the patient to make a medical decision uh, in terms of the life of the mother is at jeopardy. Right. But but the purpose of whatever medical procedure is done that goes forward, the, the, the purpose of the procedure isn't to murder the child. Yeah. You're trying to save ideally both lives. Right. Yeah. So that's a that's a borderline case. It's unusual. And then the other thing is, um, you know, as I understand it right now, Alabama law right now, like it, it, if you quit, if you commit a crime of duress. So somebody says, hey, I'm going to hold a gun to your family. You're going to go rob this bank. Right. You're not held responsible for that bank robbery the person with the gun is yeah except for murder except for murder right you can't go murder somebody because somebody says i'm going to shoot your cousin or your wife if you don't go do this you know yeah. murder this person or whatever right so well the exception in our bill is if the woman is under physical threat of violence and or death to get an abortion she's not held liable the doctor would be of course 
and the person who is threatening her with physical violence and or death. So those are those are the two areas that we covered that would be, I guess you might call them gray areas, yeah. right? Because the purpose it, the purpose is to put the hammer down on people who are taking the lives or who are putting people under threat of violence. And what's the name so, of the bill so, again? So the the I'm calling it the Equal Protection Act, okay. uh, but it's also been it's also been called the the uh, Abolish Abortion Act. Abolish Abortion Act. That's what I was so with. Okay. so so right. So that's that's the idea is that we're gonna we want to extend equal protection. Obviously, this doesn't you know the caricature is well that it's gonna you know make a crime out of a miscarriage. That's an obvious caricature. They've not read the bill. No, that's a natural cause of death. It's heartbreaking. We, we lost our first child yeah. to that. Um, but obviously what this bill does is it says that all life from fertilization to natural cause of death deserves equal protection. Yeah. And, and so even in those medical procedures where you're trying to save the lives of both, you know, you're trying to save the life of the mother. If we have the technology to bring that child to full term, then you're, you're, you're trying to save both lives. Yeah. And I think, you know, the abolitionist movement, they get a bad rap. Uh, a lot of it, you know, sometimes there's more belligerent people in front of abortion clinics. Some people do it with a little more care and grace. But at the end of the day, you know, I had some folks on that are in, uh, they they do the um, abortion bus ministry, like Life on Wheels, yeah. um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing work they're doing. Um, and that's one way of doing it. I know other people that stand out in front of abortion clinics with signs that say, Jesus love you. And I also know people who stand out in front of the ones with saying, you know, abortion is murder. But guess what? I've watched people right. get saved through all three. I've watched babies come yeah. to full term through all three. God yeah. gives people different makeups and, and approaches, and that's fine. Um, but what I think is really interesting is this idea of abolishing abortion. People respond emotionally before hearing the argument. Well, what do you mean that yeah. the mother's going to be prosecuted? What do you mean? How could you? Because in their mind, every single woman who's ever committed an abortion, because and there is a lot of women who commit abortion and they don't understand what's yeah. happening. Someone, you know, right. you talk about the duress or their pressure, they're 14 years old and their dad makes them do it. Or like there are those things, but yeah. there's other women who get on Twitter and celebrate their, their third and fourth abortion yeah. and they straight say, yeah, yeah, I killed another one and stuff like that. And so just like any other case you have to you have to take each situation and each one yeah. by itself and and look at what happened right. was there an intent to take a life uh or was this yeah. a girl who really was in a vulnerable position who was convinced to do something that she otherwise wouldn't That's have right. done so and, and, and this bill doesn't make any new criminals doesn't it's not, it, it specifically says it's not even though we know it's not, laws are not retroactive it specifically says this bill is not retroactive it doesn't it doesn't make any new criminals it doesn't assign punishments to anybody it doesn't do any of that right all the bill says is that we recognize that life starts from fertilization to natural cause of death basically and um that we want to extend equal protection to all life all life is valuable and worthy of having the same system of judicial and legal protections and defense at every stage of life yeah well, it's um, it's going to be an argument that needs to be had within conservatism. Praise God, Roe versus Wade was overturned and it was put back to the states. Huh? It's back in the states. We can have this conversation now. There's probably going to be a whole bunch of people that are like, I can't believe Brian said the mother's might should have been maybe prosecuted depending on. It's like we need to have the conversation. We need to have the conversation. Yeah. That's when we come to right decisions is when we sit down, we reason together. By the grace of God, the, the decision right. was brought back to the state. Now the people of the state yeah. of Alabama are going to have to engage 
in conversation to do what I believe honors God and what is right by mother, baby, and everyone involved in the situation. And so um, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Um, but I appreciate your courage in yeah. all three of these bills you're bringing forward. Um, you know, uh, I think it's it's pretty incredible. Thank you so much. I'm just honored to have the chance to try to be consistent with my platform and to do what I promised I would do. Uh, you know, as a constituent of Alabama, you know, I'm not I'm not the only person that's been frustrated with people who make promises because they they know how to get elected, but then it seems like for whatever reason those things are just blown to the wind. And and yet when you read our founding documents, man, don't you get this overwhelming sense of like principle, purpose? Like we're going to, the very first thing we're going to do is we're going to tell the whole world, you know, it's, it's incumbent upon us, they said, to enumerate the reasons why. Yeah. Here's why. And so we need, I believe we need to follow their example. Amen. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, thank you, Ernie, for coming in and joining us. Um, and for those of you who have joined the fight, uh, who have joined the 1819 News family, we've got an incredible segment that's going to jump into the causes of inflation. Is it economic? Is it political? What's the deal? Something that we're all experiencing, something that's affecting all of our bottom lines, all of our ability to go into the grocery store uh, and grab food to feed our families. Uh, it's a very big topic, and we're going to be jumping on that topic in the behind-the-scenes um, piece of this podcast. So if you've not joined, go sign up at the top of the website, uh, 1819news.com. There's a button that says become a member, click there, join the fight. And then on that same website, there's a, there's a membership portal that you can sign in and get all of that incredible content. So, uh, as always guys, until next time, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry. <laughs>